0: I want you to turn with me to First John chapter four and go with me to verse twelve. We we return to the closing remarks in a section of verses we began to look at last week, and we're coming to a point in this passage that I think is so important and so necessary for the church to stop and linger over, because if we miss this, we miss an opportunity to allow the world to see our God. Now that might sound like a, a bold statement, but that's where our passage takes us this morning. We concluded our study in 1 John chapter 4 last week noting that love for one another, just like God's love for us, isn't self-centered. Love for one another isn't Self-centered, it's others-centered. It's not selfish love, it's selfless love, right? It's not self-serving love, it's others-serving love. Jesus Christ demonstrated that for us. God's Word demonstrates that for us. And it is such because the fruit of the Spirit is, first of all, love, and it's the kind of love that God demonstrates toward us in that while we were still sinners rejecting and fighting against God while we were still God's enemies, He sent Jesus Christ to die on a cruel cross to take the punishment for our sins, the very thing that separates us from a a life-giving relationship with God. Jesus Christ's death on the cross wipes that all away when we believe in Jesus Christ, when we confess our sin and turn to Christ in saving faith. Now we're coming back to this passage this morning to look at verse 12, and I want you to note this in verse 12 as I read it. John returns to the idea that those who are God's children, those who have confessed their sin and believed in Jesus, have never seen God. They have never seen God, but God should be seen in them in how they love one another. And this is how we are to show the world our God. Look at verse 12. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. Just note this, that evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit in His children is is, there, is evidence in their love for one another. Evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit in His children is this. It is evidence that that is demonstrated in their love for one another. When we love one another, when God's people show love to, to their brothers and sisters in Christ, it is evidence that God's Holy Spirit is living in them. We've come full circle in this text where we began last week at verse 7 and studied through verse 11. We've come full circle in the text from where John said in verses 7 and 8, look at verses 7 and 8 again, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Now the whole purpose of this section of verses from verses 7-12 through is to point to the kind of love that is possible and expected of Christians. It's to point to the kind of love that God intends for us to demonstrate toward one another. And his purpose is to point to the fact, John's purpose here is to point to the fact that, that this is how people on earth who have never seen God are to see God today in us in the way that we love one another in the way that we treat one another. And verse 12 points to just this truth, no one has ever seen God. John 4:24 reminds us that God is spirit. Paul describes the invisible God this way in 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 17 to the king of ages immortal invisible. Right? the only God, the invisible God. First Timothy 6.16 Who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. No one has ever seen God. But that does not mean that God does not exist. No one has ever seen God, but that does not mean that God cannot be demonstrated in His people. And He does intend to demonstrate His presence through his people and God still makes himself known he doesn't make himself shown necessarily he doesn't show himself but he does make himself known and he does so through the lives of those who have believed in his son now how can god be known Well, God can be known through seeing the love that God's children have for one another, and that's what John is pointing to in verse 12. Look at verse 12 again, where he says, If we love one another, if we love one another, God abides in us. You can be assured that you have the love of Christ in you when you start seeing the love of Christ coming out of you toward your brothers and sisters in Christ. God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. Now, one of the reasons we are to love one another is so that the world who is watching how we live will see God. You realize that? That God wants to show Himself, but He wants to show Himself in how His people, who make up the body of Christ on earth called the church, how His people love one another. And that's how He shows Himself to the world. And how the church loves one another is a very clear demonstration of God's love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 12 in the New Living Translation puts it this way, No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and His love is brought to full expression in us. I think that's helpful. God demonstrates His love in and through us when we love others as His Word commands. And it comes to a full expression in the way that we express God's love for us toward one another. Note too that John points to where this love comes from. Because as you and I begin to look at a passage like this, we think, well, how am I supposed to love like God? That's that's a bit challenging, isn't it? To love as God loves us. We need to stop and realize that this love is not something that we conjure up ourselves, it is not in and of ourselves. Note too that John points to where this love comes from. This love comes from God, isn't it, doesn't it? It is God initiated. Note that this love for others is not self initiated. Because if God is living in you, you shouldn't have to initiate this love. God initiates this love in you. It is God-initiated, and being such, this love is perfected by the work of the Holy Spirit in His children. This love is initiated by the Holy Spirit in His children. And it is confirmation of salvation, as we've noted, but it also grows and flourishes as we do our part. You see, we do play a part in this. The Holy Spirit initiates this love, and He grows it in us. But we do have a part to play, don't we? And that part is obedience to God's Word. We must never forget that this love will not grow in us. It will not overflow from our lives to our brothers and sisters in Christ. The world will not see God as God intends for Himself to be seen in us, if we are not obeying God's commands, if we are not taking God's Word literally and and placing it into our lives, placing it into our hearts and minds and saturating our hearts and minds so that when we think, our thinking is in union with God's thinking, the thinking that He's revealed to us in His Word, and that our actions and our motives and our speech are Christ-honoring because our lives are saturated with the Word of God. This love will not grow in us. It will not overflow from us if we're not obeying God's Word. And our love for one another becomes more Christ-like when we obey the Word of God. John makes that clear back in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 5. Go back and look at it with me for a moment. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 5. Because John makes that clear here. He says in verse 5 and chapter 2, But whoever keeps My Word obeys, right? Whoever keeps My Word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. You see, God intends to grow His love in you and perfect it in you through the keeping of His commands, through the keeping of His Word. By this we may know that we are in Him. He also gives you assurance when you keep His Word that you are God's child. And John also points to this truth in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3, which we'll see in a future study. In verse 3 of chapter 5, John says, For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. Hmm. The love of God in connection with the keeping of His commandments? You see, God intends to grow His love in us and perfect His love in us and show His love for us and others, through us, when we obey His Word. God's love is perfected in His children when His children obey His Word. But we have a problem. Our problem, and you know this, our problem is that that which John notes back in chapter 2, instead of loving one another, as we should, At all times, there are times when we think like the world, that perfect love is found, real joy is found, real happiness and contentment and love is found in pursuing the things of the world instead of pursuing the things of God to satisfy our fleshly desires. We pursue the things of the world, the the entrapments of the world, the things that are not necessarily Christ-honoring or sinless, and we think that those will satisfy and those provide perfect love when really obedience to God's Word is what provides perfect love. But loving those things, the things of the world, the trappings of the world, it's such a trap to be enthralled with the things of the world when God says, don't be, don't be taken up in those fleshly pursuits. It's such a mirage to allow love for the things of the world to take the place of living out the love of God which He has placed in His children. If you're a child of God, He has initiated His love in you. And you reject the love of God, you and I turn away from God when we say, well, that's fine, thanks for you know beginning that love in me, but I'm going to do my own thing. And I'm going to pursue the things that that attract my attention in the world. I'm going to show the kind of love that I think is love because I think that these things will be more satisfying than what you, God, say in your word. And that is such a mirage. And that's why John says this back in chapter 2, beginning in verse 15 of 1 John chapter 2, do not love the world. He's not saying don't love people. He's saying don't love the sinful things in this world that take you away from Christ's likeness, that take you away from your relationship with God and an unbroken fellowship with God. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Don't love the world's ways. Don't love the sinful ways of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And verse 16, for all that is in the world the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride and possessions is not from the father but is from the world and the world is passing away along with its desires but whoever does the will of god abides forever you see you see that real contentment real joy and genuine love is found in abiding in god and god's word abiding in you you see, allowing the things of this world to take the place of God's perfect love is such an energy sapping, perfect love defeating trap. And being entrapped in the pursuit of what the flesh desires instead of the pursuit of the kind of love as demonstrated by God as defined in His Word will also kill your testimony. Will also take away that vision of God that God wants people that God wants people to see in your life and mine and in his church. It will kill your testimony to the watching world when you pursue the things of the world instead of the things of God. But, 1 John 2.15, whoever does the will of God abides forever. And, 1 John 4.12, if we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. Now we must learn I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, but we must learn to, that obedience to God's Word is the only way to live out the perfect love of God and to demonstrate the perfect love of God to the world that's watching the church. Now, I want to suggest this morning what that might look like in the church. I want to get very practical in our remaining moments together here this morning because sometimes... We measure love in a very narrow view, right? We put love in a little box and we say, well, I greeted so-and-so. You know, they must know that I love them. I said hi to them. I shook their hand. I wasn't, you know, mean. I said they had a nice, you know, shirt on or a nice dress on or a nice tie on or whatever. You know, we kind of we kind of put love in a little box and we go, well, you know, I, I waved at them the other day in a Walmart, right, or whatever. And that's not, that's fine. That's important. Let's not, you know ignore one another. But that's a really simplistic definition of love. And what I want to do for you this morning is help you see that, that the love of Christ perfected in us looks looks far more detailed than what we would like like it to look at times. I shared this with those who were here last Sunday evening, but let me just summarize briefly this morning what I shared last Sunday night because there are a few points here that I think are very helpful to repeat. I think a fitting illustration of what the perfecting of God looks like in God's obedient children is summed up very well in a book that that I read recently and we just recently placed in our church library and it's circulating now by uh, the author's name is Tabiti Anabuile. a very tough name to pronounce and I wouldn't know how to pronounce it if I hadn't heard somebody else say it before. But Tabiti Anabwile is a pastor who, who wrote a book called What is a Healthy Church Member? We just added that to the church library. It's in circulation now. It's one of those books, I told our folks last Sunday night, it's one of those books that I very rarely say this because I don't want everybody to think that I'm insisting that you go out and buy every book I recommend. But this is one book I think everybody in the church ought to read. And if I could, I'd buy everybody a copy and give it to you because I think it's one of those books that we all need to take to heart and and, uh, follow the admonitions here from this godly pastor who says this is what a healthy church member looks like. I just want to take a list that he gives us because he he connects love and church membership, and he connects love and church attendance in in a special way here that helps us kind of broaden the horizon and help us understand that love is far more than just saying, hey, how are you? Nice, tie. You look good today. See you later next week, okay? Love is far more than that. Tabiti Anabuile says that the mark of Christian discipleship, the the mark of Christian discipleship is love, love of the kind that Jesus exercised toward his followers ought to be very clear to us. He says that mark of Christian discipleship is love. What he's saying is, is that a mark of a true follower of Christ is that they love, that they learn to love, they grow in love. And so Anabuile says. The mark of Christian discipleship is love, love of the kind that Jesus exercised toward His followers, love visible enough that men will recognize it as belonging to those people who follow Jesus. He's saying exactly the same thing as 1 John 4.12. Real love in the church will be evident to a watching world. God's love in the church will be evident to the watching world by how we treat one another. And then he suggests that what this looks like in the lives of of God's children living out the love of Christ toward one another is this. And these are such helpful points because we tend to think in limited terms when it comes to loving others. And this will kind of broaden the horizon for you. Anabuile contends that God's children living out the love of God toward one another looks like believers who do a few things. One, he says, they attend church regularly. That sounds interesting, doesn't it? You're telling me that, that love for God's people includes attending church regularly? He says, because we need to be present. This is common sense stuff in a way. <laughs> because we need to be present. We need to be known. And we need to know others and be active in the church to make Christian love possible. You see, and don't misunderstand me. I want you to be very very clear on this, that I am not suggesting by any stretch That those who call Higgins Lake Baptist Church home must be here every time we unlock the front doors. I'm not suggesting that. But on the other hand, we can't be hit and miss in our attendance. We can't withdraw ourselves at times and merely come in on a Sunday morning and say, hey, how are you? Nice tie, nice dress. Good to see you this week, next week, same time, same place, you know, maybe. We gotta be very careful. We don't go to the other extreme. And that we just treat church attendance as something that's to our advantage only. Because real love in the church means I make myself a part of the fellowship. Real love for God's people means I'm here when I can be. And I'm here when when I need to be. Because there are times when we don't feel like we want to be here, but we know we need to be here, right? And there are times when we might come when we realize we're coming not for our own benefit, but for the benefit of others because I need to be there to encourage others. And to build others up. And so I think Anabuile is right when he says people who demonstrate the love of Christ toward other believers attend church regularly. And I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna tell you you have to be the judge of how regularly regularly is for you, okay? But I'm not gonna suggest that every time the doors are unlocked, you have to be here or you're less than. That's not that's not what we're talking about. But we are saying that we must do more than just. A meet and greet, and a time of fellowship we have, in in the center aisle at the beginning of our services is sweet. But that better not be all the fellowship. That just be that'll just be the 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 uh, the beginning, right? That'll just be the the spark that lights the fire in us in a way. You see, the way I envision fellowship among God's children is that we regularly attend and we get to know each other. And we have opportunities to learn the needs of others. And someone has a need and we hear about it and we go help meet that need. Whether it's visiting someone who's in the hospital or taking a meal to someone who is in need or helping fix somebody's car or whatever it is. We begin to learn about one another and we begin to to know one another. We have to be present for that, don't we? We can't withdraw ourselves and be infrequent and actually know God's people and demonstrate the love of God to them in a hit-or-miss fashion. Closely associated with that, Anabuile says they also seek peace. They seek peace. You know, a committed church member, a member who truly loves, is committed to the maintenance of peace in the congregation. You no know, person who's seeking peace is going to practice the charge from Paul in Ephesians chapter four verses 31 and 32, where Paul says, "Let all bitterness, let all wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you." Now I've got all kinds of illustrations about how we can be peacemakers in the church, but I'm not going to even begin to give you those. Because I think every individual in this fellowship could have some other application of what it means to be a peacemaker. Some instance in their week, because I think each one of us will have an opportunity in the week ahead to be peacemakers in the church or peace destroyers in the church. Okay? And for every one of us, there's some situation, or maybe many situations, where we can be a part of the process of making peace in the fellowship and demonstrating the love of Christ, that God is growing in us toward one another, or we can be those who create divisions and fractions and disagreements. I'm not saying we all have to think the same thing, but... Those who love like Christ, those who are seeing the love of God being perfected in them, demonstrate that they are peace seekers and they seek peace. That's why, and I think I noted this last Sunday evening, that's why in your bulletin every week we put that little white half sheet, that that little half sheet about making peace. Because that is where the devil would love to get a foothold among us, where we have rifts and clicks and divisions and separations in our fellowship so that we can't even stand each other, but yet we keep coming to the same church services, but throughout the week we don't care about each other, we don't talk to each other, and our testimony and the vision of God in this community is destroyed. So we need to be seeking peace at all times. Annabuile also says they edify others. And that means that the one consistent purpose or goal in a public meeting of the church is mutual edification it means that building each other up it means that we build each other up in the faith and a healthy church member is committed a committed member who comes to serve and not be served like jesus came to serve and not be served come to provide and not just to be a consumer we edify others we build others up that's what it means to allow the love of god to be perfected in you and how you love your brothers and sisters in christ you build up your brothers and sisters in Christ. We're to build one another up, not to tear each other down. We're committed we got to be committed to building one another up and encouraging one another. And I'll tell you what the committed believer looks like who is committed to building up his brother and sister in Christ. Again, Ephesians Paul addresses this when he tells the church that God gives the church pastors for the purpose of teaching the church to do this. So uh, when I come to a passage like Ephesians, I'm, I'm reminded once again that it's my job to teach you how to do this. And it's to be teaching you how to build one another up. Ephesians chapter 4. Why don't you go look at it with me for a moment? Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. see we're getting these glimpses from God's word that show us snippets and sections about what it means to demonstrate the love of God toward your brothers and sisters in Christ and Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 helps and he give gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the shepherds and teachers why why did god give Your church a pastor? Why does God give any church a pastor? What's the purpose of having a pastor? Is it it so that your pastor can do the work of the ministry? That's not what verse twelve says. It is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, right? It is so that you can be equipped, so that you can be fully geared up and ready to do the work that God has given brought us together for, right? And so God gives the church pastors to equip the saints, verse 12, for the work of ministry. And here's what that looks like. For building up the body of Christ. Okay? Yes, it's my job to help build you up and to equip you. Verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Why? Verse 14, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather, speaking the truth in love. Look at that. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. And verse sixteen, from whom the whole body, that's us, we're the church, the whole body, joined and held together by every joint. Don't you don't mind if I call you a joint, do you? Your joints, your limbs, you're part of the body. You're part of the your members of the body. Okay, the church. Joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly. And don't overlook this last phrase. Makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Here we go. We come back to love again. And do you see how believers who love the love that God is perfecting in them, edify and build up other believers. That's my job, to teach you how to do it and to equip you for that so that you can do the work of the ministry and you can be a joint or you can be a member, you can be a part of that body so that you can make the body grow collectively, right? So that it builds itself up in love. The church is to build itself up, to edify one another, to grow itself to maturity in Christ through believers who love and take the active role in loving other believers. And closely related to edifying one another is when the love of God is being perfected in them. Believers also, believers also warn and admonish others. Now some of you go, ha, ah, I like that. Warn and admonish, that's fun, isn't it? Don't misunderstand this. This isn't getting in somebody's face. This isn't an in-your-face-over-the-top-both-barrels kind of confrontation that God's Word is talking about. We have to warn and admonish others. Being a a person who is faithful in the church and being a person who loves other believers, you don't overlook areas of weakness in their lives. You, You gently confront them and help them to mature. You warn and admonish others. Meaning they are committed to speaking the truth in love, says Anabuile, those those members who love the love that God is growing in them. Meaning they are committed to speaking the truth in love to their brothers and sisters, helping them avoid pitfalls and encouraging them in holiness and Christian joy. Who among us doesn't need at some point in time, or many points in time, a gentle reminder? or even a firm reminder in love or a word of correction from a brother or sister in Christ that you know loves you from the bottom of their heart and they say even firmly, I think you're wrong about this and you need to pursue the truth of God's Word. Who among us doesn't need encouragement with the truths of God's Word? Who among us doesn't need correction at times? There will be days when we need that. All of us. And oh, how we ought to love one another enough to be willing to warn and admonish one another so that we grow the body in love, right? Anabuile also says that those people in the church who are loving like God intends for them to love, who the love of God is being perfected in, they pursue reconciliation. You see, that's closely... Connected with warning and admonishing others. Because sometimes that person that you need to warn and admonish also needs to be restored to fellowship. And so they pursue reconciliation. And a committed member works very hard and strives to repair breaches as quickly as possible. That person whom God is perfecting His love in seeks to repair Broken relationships as quickly as possible, even before continuing in public worship. That's what we see in Matthew chapter 5 and verses 23 and 24. So if you're offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. You know, we ought not let a day pass. We gotta be very quick to mend broken relationships. We gotta be very quick when we think maybe we've said something that was out of place and we're not even sure. Uh, Satan would like to go, eh, no big deal, don't worry about it. Yeah, it wouldn't hurt to ask and say, you know, that thing I said. I just want to make sure you don't misunderstand. I didn't mean to to offend or hurt. If there's any doubt, you know, we ought to not let a day pass. If there's a fraction or relationship between you and your brother and sister in Christ, don't wait for the other person. No matter who started it, right? Don't go flashing back to childhood. She started it, he did it first. Forget all that, right? God says, God's word says, go to the other person and mend that relationship. That goes right hand in hand with being a peacemaker. Pursue reconciliation. Go pursue peace and do all you can to repair that relationship which points to another characteristic of those in whom God is perfecting his love. They bear with others. Anybody ever feel like you just keep bearing with and bearing with and bearing with and you just keep bearing with and this person never seems to measure up to your standards? Forget about whether or not they measure up to your standards. Be concerned with whether, whether or not they're pleasing God with their life and pray for them and bear with others. You know, when we pursue reconciliation, we've got to be patient. You hate that word, don't you? I know, I do too. We don't like patient. We want now. We want yesterday. Bear with others. We've got to be characterized by meekness and humility. Those are two more words that we don't like. Such that we don't think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Oh, I don't think more highly of myself than I ought. I just know I'm better than everybody else. Right? Right? We, we just tend to gravitate that way. And we don't even hear ourselves sometimes. But we need to humble ourselves before God and bear with others how thankful I am that God, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, and through my lifetime, has been patient with me. And you? They bear with others. They also prepare for the ordinances... You know, we don't neglect coming together to observe the ordinances of of communion and baptism. Those are special times of fellowship when we come together and rejoice over the baptism of of a new believer. You know, baptism and communion are privileges that give us a a visible proclamation of the Gospel. A visible proclamation of the good news that Christ died for sinners and rose again to eternal life. And so it... It's a demonstration of our love for our brothers and sisters of Christ when we don't neglect those times and we come together. And we rejoice in those times. And believers live out the love of Christ when they rejoice at the baptism of new believers and they examine their heart and carefully examine their heart before they participate in the Lord's Supper. And we always take a few moments of prayer before we take the elements, we have that admonition in Scripture, don't, don't partake of the Lord's Supper with an unexamined life with unconfessed sin. That ought to actually begin before we gather. But we do take a moment before we take the elements just in case. Because you know, God knows that your, your heart and mind, you're thinking you could experience even sin between your time at home when you prepared your heart to come to the service and enjoy that time of fellowship with the Lord and communion And so they prepare for the ordinances. Here's one more. Anabuile says they support the work of the ministry. And he goes on to say, those whose aim is to live out the perfecting of God's love in them give resources, time, and talent to the advancement of the gospel in the church. They live out the Bible's call to the body of Christ. You know, God calls us to give of ourselves because He has been so gracious to give to us. And all that we have, remains His, whether we think so or not. And He calls on us to support the work that He is doing in our midst. That, let me just say, that, beloved, should really stretch us and help us to see a fresh picture of what truly loving believers should look like. Because for some of us, we've never really thought in love for our brothers and sisters in Christ in those kinds of terms. I know I don't always I don't often think that way. And we tend to put our love for others in a little tidy package. And we define love for ourselves so it's easy for our conscience not to be bothered when we're not quite measuring up to God's standard, but God's idea of love and our idea of love are two different things, aren't they? It would do us good as a body of believers to reflect on the, that, even just that list that I shared with you. Get a copy of Tabitiana Buile's book, What is a Healthy Church Member? Get that and read that from cover to cover because it is helpful Bible-saturated book that will help you think about what it means to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. We all need to be pursuing this. Why? This is how God intends for us to live together as a body of believers and how He intends for us to to make progress in the, on this place on earth, right? This is also how the world sees God in how we love one another. And my prayer for you is that you learn anew what it is to love one another. I'll put First John 4.12 into perspective, kind of paraphrase it like this. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us, and God will be seen as His love is perfected in us. God will be seen in you if you'll let Him perfect His love in you and you begin to show that love to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Your neighbor will see it. Your neighbor will see it. Your family will see it. Your coworkers will see it in your attitude and your actions. And God's name will be glorified. And God's church at Higgins Lake will be a powerful force for the cause of Christ for years to come, as long as the Lord tarries, as long as we remain faithful to love one another as God has loved us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank You. What a precious reminder and a precious privilege it is to know that God loves us so much that He sent His Son God, we thank You for sending Your Son. God, we thank You for sending Jesus Christ to receive Your wrath for our sins. And what a precious truth to be reminded of the fact that that is the kind of love that You intend to perfect in Your children. And so, Lord, I pray that it would be very true that we would yield before You and Your Word and yield before Your Spirit as You work Your truth in us to help us to love one another as Jesus Christ loves the church and gave Himself up for her. Lord, help us to grow up in the faith. Help us to grow up in Your Word. Help us to be a part, an active part of building one another up where we realize, and we have not seen God and no one else has seen God But we thank You for this reminder that if we love one another, Your your love is abiding in us and is being perfected in us when we obey Your Word. So Lord, help us to take Your Word very seriously and very personally and obey it and love as You've demonstrated so that the world might see You so that we might experience what You have intended for us to experience here on earth, a a, a relationship of unity in the the fellowship of the body of Christ, so that we might be a powerful and effective body of believers for the cause of Christ in the world today, so that we might know what it really is to experience the joy of the Lord as we obey. Lord, help us. Father, for those who are here this morning who may be unbelievers. Oh Lord, help them to get a taste of what the love of God means. Of what it means to be a participant in the family of God. And help them to realize that they need to confess their sin that separates them from You and turn to Jesus Christ in faith. Oh Lord, melt their heart now. Help them to see the truth, even as we've talked about the love of Christ and and uh, challenge ourselves here with these practical applications of what it means to love one another. Lord, help them to see the love of Christ and to yield to it today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.